Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a Picturehouse podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. On today's show, we are lucky to be joined by filmmaker, the writer and director Tina Satter to talk about her feature debut, Reality, which is in cinemas as you're listening to this right now. Tina is over in the UK to uh, promote the film, to talk about the film, and actually, as we're recording, she's on her way to do a Q&A at the, uh, a couple of Picturehouse cinemas, Picturehouse in Finsbury Park and the Ritzy in Brixton. So some of you may have already heard Tina speak as you're listening to this. But for those who did not go to those Q&As, here is our conversation with Tina talking about her debut film Reality which is a really powerful drama based on this real life transcript that the FBI made whilst uh, going to someone's house and interrogating them as a, as a suspect uh, for this potential sort of federal crime and, and it's really I mean the, the whole story is, is it's one of those sort of you know reality is stranger than fiction type things and and it's really powerful stuff using that uh, the, the tool the device of you know only adapting the dialogue from the actual real life transcript and it's a real it puts sort of human beings and how they interact in certain situations under a microscope and uh and yeah it's a, it's a really juicy text it's also like kind of mind-blowingly only 83 minutes long yet it feels like you know it's a full meal of a film and uh yeah i'm a big fan as you can tell i'm a big fan and i was so delighted when tina said uh yes i'm i'm, I'm in the area i'll come by and, and have a chat with you uh so here is our conversation with tina satter talking about reality which is in cinemas right now reality what if i said that you printed out classified information that document has made its way outside of nsa and the most likely candidate is you. I think you know a lot more than what you're telling us at this point. I'm trying to deploy. I'm not trying to be a whistleblower. That's crazy. Reality. 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 Was there something that just pushed you over the edge on this? Hello, Tina. Welcome to the Picture House podcast. Hi, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us in um, in Picture House HQ. It's, it's not as exciting as, as I wish it was being a cinema company. <laughs> We've got some film posters up, you know, there's some movie materials out. Appreciate you coming by, though. Of course, I'm very happy to be here. It's uh, over the last years we've done quite a lot of these on Zoom. I'm, I'm sure you've done the same. Yes, <laughs> yes, a lot of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it like? And you're you're in London this week, we should say, because reality opens in cinemas on Friday as we're recording. But you're doing some Q and A's and, and going to meet some of the audiences later on. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to meet people here, and have, I can't believe it's opening here now. It's really, it's really thrilling. As a as like a you know a filmmaker and you know uh, all of your creative work, what's it like when you you meet your audience? You know, after a play or after a film screening. I love it. I I really love that because I think you know you make something in such a bubble, and it you don't you get so close to it, and then like not confused by it, but like you're just working away on this thing in such micro ways. Mm. And then you share it. And then of course there's like a critical response, which is its own beast and its own thing. But it's so cool to speak to people afterwards or to have when they have questions or thoughts or even things that confuse them or that they like, that's just really, really meaningful. And something I actually get a ton of energy from getting to do that. I, I really, you know, and sometimes people say things that are strange, but mm. like, it's just, they're usually like candid, sweet things that people 
are having, that's the most human transaction of it. So I love that. I guess everybody interprets things in slightly different ways and maybe ways you hadn't always thought about when you're in the eye of the storm actually making the piece. <laughs> totally, right. When they're like, so this was totally meant to mean that. And you're like, not at all, but that's actually amazing. <laughs> yes, that's what that meant. But yeah, no, that it, I totally, it's really interesting and cool when people, right, lean in so much that they, ha they want to know if that was what, if their idea of it was correct, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I think with reality, there's quite a lot to sort of talk about. There's lots of details in the in the set and in the performance and obviously the true life story. I guess for our listeners, it'd be great to sort of go back to the beginning and just sort of explain how, how this project started and, and how it became the film that we're about to open at our cinemas. Yes. So Reality Winner is a real person. And in 2017, she was a 25-year-old, um, you know, young woman living in the United States. And she um, mailed a top secret document to a news outlet that showed proof of Russian interference in the US election. So she did that in May 2017. And in June 2017, the FBI um, surprised her at her house to talk about this thing she had done. Um, and so reality got briefly into the news in the US after this, that summer, very briefly, like her name sort of stood out, reality winner, it's literally her given name. And mm. there was a mugshot of her, you know, that I remember a, a young blonde woman in, in the orange jumpsuit, but I didn't pay very much attention and, and very few people really did. It just was not a news story like Snowden or Chelsea Manning. But six, about six months after that, I was reading a longer form article about her, just free reading online. And there were more pictures of her and there was a picture of her like in this Pikachu hoodie that was really like caught my eye. Like she just had these really piercing eyes and, and I was like, wow, she was so young and the details of her life that I was reading about that she, I didn't know she'd been a military vet, but she, you know, she also was teaching yoga. Like she, I was like, wow, this is this really, really specific young American person. Mm. Um, and at the same time that I was free reading that article, there was a link said like read about the day at reality was visited at her home by the FBI and I clicked that and that took you to Politico where they had this scanned PDF of this transcript that the FBI had kept of the FBI visit to her home and I wow. had never read anything like like I was like I, I just couldn't believe that this how this document was unfolding in this conversation and I truly felt reading that I'm like this is a thriller like reality is going head to head in her own home with these guys like, oh my God, I, I just, it felt like a really alive document that was like very tense because I was like, when do they get her? But also would have these strange diversions. Like mm -hmm. the agents would suddenly talk about her cats for like three minutes or were the cats under the bed or on the bed? And I was like, what is going on in this conversation? Um, and, and it really got me inspired right upon that read to see if there was something in it for play and for maybe a movie. I, I was like, maybe this could be a movie I could direct, so yeah. It must be so exciting to immerse yourself in this story, this real life story, and think about how can you take this to an audience and you know, sort of how it might manifest itself. Uh, so after reading this, you know, you, you worked on the play. You, what went into making this story into the play? Yeah, um, I had a play commission then at a really cool venue in New York City, and I was working on something else, but the transcript um, called for four participants. It literally listed participants like characters. Mm -hmm. 
and it listed um, reality, Agent Garrick, Agent Taylor, and then a, care, a participant called Unknown Male. Mm. And I was that was very intriguing to me, too. <laughs> it felt really loaded, and I was <clears throat> intrigued by that. Um, so I was like, oh, this is a four-person play. I mean, I'd quickly go on to learn that ultimately Unknown Male was ca- capturing the lines attributed to Unknown Male in the transcript were the, up to nine other men at her house. Oh, wow. But we decided to really honor the transcript like it was a canonical text, you mm-hmm. know, and so we stuck to unknown male. And so, and I had worked for years with this incredible actress named Emily Davis and she, and she looked a bit like reality. So I was like, you're going to play reality. Let's try to make this a play. And so we just started reading it literally often in our apartments in New York city of actor friends, um, occasionally renting, you know, spaces. And we, I would just read, I'd ask them to read it, you know, just straightforwardly over and over. And I, we'd finish and I'd be like, do you think it's a thing? And everyone would be like, maybe. But I was like, there's something in it. I just mm. was obsessed. And so with Emily and, you know, as reality, we eventually cast three other people to play those people and, you know, had a premiere date set and just... Um, it wasn't simple, but it was simple in that we we stuck to every word of the transcript, and these actors would just step onto a platform and just perform that, perform that you know harrowing conversation, and it got me really close to that content. Mm. So the play sort of took on an incredible life of its own. It, you know, it was very well received, which was super super cool and exciting, but it, but kept me really close to the play much longer than I anticipated. Like it, it moved to off Broadway, and then ultimately did have a Broadway run. So when the city finally went, when pandemic struck is when I got to work on the movie. It was in the first couple days, I mean, a couple weeks actually of lockdown, you know, after realizing this was actually happening, we're going to just be in our apartment in the epicenter of the COVID Mm. moment in New York City um, that I started working on the screenplay, a first draft of the screenplay. It was like, you know, there was finally time to do that. So that was what I did in, in uh, 2020. Oh, wow, okay. The first draft you went in with a project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before. So that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. I guess it does lend itself to, I love films that are set in, you know, one location or a, you know, with a tight cast of characters. And this sort of lends itself to, to both of those. And it uses those, what some people might call restrictions, to its advantage. Because it means you form such a meaningful bond with all of the characters. Um, it's kind of a gift, I suppose, to sort of adapt this into, into a film. It's really funny because those were total gifts to me. I loved those constraints of the one room and the. But of course, that for many film people, they think that like, oh, did, I don't know. It's too much of a capsule, and we're really going to keep her in one room for that long time in the movie. I mean, there there was thoughts of that, but the amazing producers I met really were excited about the constraints too, mm-hmm. and were like, let you know, how do we stick close to this and open it up in unexpected filmic ways? You know, that was really an exciting exciting prompts too like if we do stick to this day how do we give a little more context what do we crack it open with so I was totally into that and I think yeah to me it was never like going to be a problem you know I was like we can do we can I mean of course it was super hard work and I Mm -hmm. came to see the actual logistical challenges of it but like even 
you know, we wanted to keep the room as spare and kind of like light colored as it had actually been, which again, that becomes its own concern too. But, you know, how do we make that exciting and like working really closely with the amazing DP, Paul Yee, especially on that choreography of once she's in that back room. And mm. yeah, it, it, like I liked the constraints of that. Yeah, it's so specific what you then have to do, but yeah. I think as an audience, it lets you sort of drink in the detail. You know, you're not constantly trying to like learn about the new location you're in or who these new characters are. It lets you sit with the piece and it makes you feel like you're in the room. You're very good at showing close-ups of details in the room, in the bedroom, and help to sort of maybe get a sense of who reality is. Yes, exactly. I mean, I love the details of... This is what was so exciting to me about getting to turn to the movie of it. Like, I, I'm so proud of the play. I love the play, but it, that was all about just watching these incredible actors sort of like say this conversation in the air there's no literal set because that to me felt like what the film could do like we got to see it's so vulnerable and incredible that they question a person at their own home mm. so like this young woman lets these men into her house she's expecting no one to come over let alone the fbi so you get to see this house like what dishes she has like drying on her counter her bedroom which what's you know more vulnerable and specific than a person's bedroom you know and so I really wanted to show those details even her she has this car with these amazing bumper stickers on it in real life like they really are a great character study in themselves what reality had on the back of her car so I was really excited to get to show that as the way you know as you said like that got to be our bi biographical sketch that's mm. our character study literally this day in her life because you do have all these clues because you're inside her house of who she is and yeah that's really interesting like uh you mentioned she was wearing a pikachu hoodie in one of her shots you have pikachu bedding i think um, yes there and there's some like, anime some studio ghibli stickers on the fridge and on the windows yes uh, which is an anime nerd i was like oh my god yeah, <laughs> i think reality was a bit of an anime nerd and she definitely liked pikachu so it was cool to just layer those in there I, 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 interesting i guess to contrast that with like the, the amount of guns she has in the house as well <laughs> totally i mean that's the incredible thing that reality held right like she was like this young girl into anime and she was also raised in a family where you owned guns mm. you know what I mean she was from a bit of a military family and she's from Texas and it's not crazy at all to have recreational automatic weapons which I think is also another fascinating fabric of of the United States too and she held that too in her in her person she um said so I guess if you're the listeners the, the unique thing about this film is that it is that there's so many things but one of them is the screenplay is it's the transcript and and I was wondering what sort of work went into the transcript like was it is it an 85 minute long transcript is it sort of edited a little bit like how how did we get to the feature film screenplay from your source material the entire transcript is a 120 minute um mm -hmm. <laughs> movie so I actually we you know I once I was working with the producers on my you know making revisions to the first drafts and the ensuing drafts I did have every word in it at first and they're like we and then I went and thought about it I'm like that's a that's a movie that's a movie but it's a different movie than I'm actually interested in right there would be one like because the play actually included every word oh, wow. it was still ran, it ran an hour right because mm -hmm. you could push pace and stuff and with the realism I was really interested in capturing in this movie and what it actually felt like for reality to pull into her yard and have this thing start I it was okay to cut some like sections of it and so that was really careful work because I never wanted to change the storytelling that is in the transcript itself. Mm. But like an example would be in the, in the movie, in the transcript, there's the whole discussion the agents have with her about CrossFit and working out. That was actually so long in real life and mm. really repetitive. So that was a section like how do we keep the weird banality that they're going to like 
chit chat with her about working out for a weirdly long time on her lawn. Mm. Um, but like, just keep it a little shorter. So wholesale sections of that came out, never within individual lines. So there's a couple sections in the movie treated like that. That makes sense. I think it's still you still get the sense of it, don't you? you get the essence, and it is ultimately a very taut, like say a thriller, uh, this under ninety minute thriller. It's so exciting, edge of your seat stuff that you you cannot believe this is what actually happened in real life. Like you can't believe FBI agents would act like this. It's so different to what Hollywood has shown us before. You you might see them sort of barging down through a door or something, and but this they're they're kind of they're weirdly sort of placid until they're not. <laughs> to- I mean that's what's so funny. Like the you know they have to keep her out on the lawn because the other guys are searching the house to mm. make sure they you know get a hold of her weapons or anything else that might be in there and so that part i mean i when i first read it and then getting to film it and bring it to life was so uh fun because when they just chat with her on the lawn they're just making total small talk so it's like almost like this awkward someone you don't know you're talking to at a barbecue yeah. and it's like is this, she had to be thinking, is this just going to end if we talk about CrossFit? And then they're going to be like, okay, cool. But you know, and I think she knew in her body, they're just going to always bring the hammer down. And that's Mm -hmm. what happens. They'll like drift into the banal conversation with her and then suddenly be back asking these really, you know, pointed, intense questions. And so, yeah, it offered that great mix in the actual dialogue. Like when you're watching this as an audience, you, you, you don't know exactly, I didn't know what was going to exactly happen. So sort of treating this a bit like a mystery, like is does, does she know like why they're here today? You know, what do they actually know that they're not letting on? And it's interesting to see how the performances and how the, the dialogue, you know, acts sort of cagey around certain things and how they're, they're very quick to move on. And I was quite like reality kind of moves their process on quite a lot. She's like had enough of the chit chat and she's like, why are you here? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, I mean, that's what's so fascinating, both on the page of the actual transcript and then, you know, getting to again to bring it to life and watching Sydney and act this is watching her clearly sort of in her brain try to stay right with them, mm. like, but staying then really calm and almost kind of relaxed herself. But like, all right, if I offer up this information, maybe that'll get him off it or the choices where she then decides to come you know become more candid and clean like it's just really she's really staying with them you can just feel it in her language and yeah so it's it's pretty uh, fascinating they're all acting <laughs> yeah absolutely and, and I guess that gives quite a lot of meat for the performers to play with like how did you I guess how did you get Sydney Sweeney first of all but how did you find all of your, your cast? Because you've got some excellent players here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of the one, Marchant Davis, who plays Agent Taylor, he had actually, we had wanted him to play that role in the Broadway production, and he couldn't because of timing. Mm. So then when I got the opportunity to make it as a movie, he had been so great for Agent Taylor. It was like, okay, like we circled back, and he was available to do this. So that was cool because he had, had been someone I, who had read the material for me before. But yeah, the the role of reality was really, of course, really important. And, you know, thinking of someone really, really close to that actual age, you know, how young reality was 25 on that day, someone that really looked in, um, I really wanted someone as close to that age as possible. And, you know, Sid emerged as as like, and that she was an American had come of age in a similar age and time which when real, uh, I'm sorry, I always mix up reality and Sydney's names now. <laughs> when I talked the first conversation to Sid, which was before she actually read, she was really so smart. She hadn't known who reality winner was, but she had, you know, looked her up and she really had her understanding and a connection to this 
young, kind of unexpected young woman who'd come of age, like with a focus on education and really defining who she was, really different than what Sydney's life had been, but a similar sort of self-defining and, and becoming someone different than maybe your family expected. So she had a real in, emotional intelligence about reality that I really responded to. I knew from her work, for me, which was Euphoria and White Lotus that I'd seen, that she did have this really specific emotional range or that the ability to make a specific emotional range and that even though reality was such a different character than Cassie, for example, those were chops that were making Cassie so strong. And mm -hmm. so right then she read reality and it was really exciting to think of her doing it and, and that it would be such an unexpected role for her too was fun to be a part of. It must be a fun script to look at because so many scripts are sort of, poly you take out the, a lot of the naturalistic bit sometimes or you, you make it a feature. This script has got a lot of, you know, umming and ahhing and, and uh, chit-chat and meandering sort of things. It must be interesting to process those words. Yeah, <coughs> I, mean, I guess that speaks, that's a great segue over to the um, casting of Josh Hamilton mm -hmm. as Agent Garrick, and he's just so incredible. Um, and he is an actor with a lot of stage roots himself, so he was really, and Agent Garrick has the most stutters and ums and weird coughs, and, and probably as part of that agent's performance that day mm -hmm. of like, just a guy mm -hmm. casually yeah. chit-chatting with you but Josh was really excited about that element of it and puts just this great edge of a little bit of the dark humor of, of it on there. Um, I had seen Josh in a couple movies and he, I didn't know he'd seen the play, but he was really psyched about the part. So he was, and he was wonderful and just took all that language on the page really seriously and wanted to pretty much get it, you know, phrase perfect, so... Oh, incredible. It's electric watching <coughs> the three of them when you know, together when they sort of move, both when they're outside, but then when you move into that back room, which is like weirdly empty <laughs> in a house. And you're thinking like, this is a, a you know, like a, 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 a interrogation happening with no furniture. They're standing on their feet. They say reality can like sit on the floor. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's beyond belief. <laughs> I know. Well, that's this amazing part where they, that conversation where they're like, do you have anywhere where we can sit down? And she literally says, no, I'm not that into furniture. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but I don't not that in big on furniture mm. so and it's just this like another kind of just great weird detail that's very specific to who she actually was at that point in her life that means they're gonna go into this empty room it just again another weird thing and it almost just ups the stakes I mean it's just this another really fascinating dramatic level that they're gonna stand in this weird room that she basically said she didn't want to go into I mean mm. and then they're like it's okay we can go in there so what was a what, what was a, a filming day like um, for this? Like, how long did you take to to shoot some of the larger sort of dialogue scenes? That's a great question. I mean, all that stuff we work to shoot in order because mm. it like it just there's the need of the emotional trajectory, and since it is sort of in many ways it's they're repeating. They keep asking your sort of variations on the same questions. So we really all wanted to be on the same page of like what was the build and at what points is she still sort of trying to divert them from the truth and then after she admits and all that yeah but it was really tricky because we're in the <laughs> that's white space that white that you know that cream colored room with sections that on paper at first sort of sound very similar to each other yeah I mean we we did break it up into digestible and filmic chunks both not really for the actors I mean they were super game but just so that we could keep as much of that sort of dynamic as possible. So there was always a lot of choreography we were mm -hmm. interested in, even though they stay in that room of like, 
when do they like they're men using their bodies to sort of physically like sudden like kind of move close to her or mm. give her space you know make sort of a dance of the fact they have her in this room and and the the shifting of tensions of like it was all physicality then because it's three people standing in a room so we wanted to keep those setups sort of fresh so I you know I don't totally remember like how many pages but yeah it was th those were the really intense you know shooting days for sure was in that room I think when you strip everything back you anything you do is makes a big uh, impact so yeah when it's just one agent talking to her and the other one's in the background when they're both standing up against with their arms folded like that says a lot <laughs> no totally and that was what was so exciting to me was those compositions just like the bodies in the frame and diagonals in the frame of the yeah totally like you get a lot of power right when Garrick suddenly steps in or yes Taylor's suddenly there too and they're both just looking at her yeah and what was it, uh, you know, what, what was it like when you took this into the edit and you started to see it all come together? Because so you know the subject intimately, you've seen it performed as a play, you were there on set, but now seeing it as a, you know, I guess for the first time as an assembled feature. Yeah, I mean, the first time we watched like the even the rough cut or the assembly, it was like, oh my god, oh my god, it was crazy. Like you know, the producers were like, it's gonna be, you're gonna maybe think it's terrible, like, and you know, then, <laughs> but I couldn't believe I was seeing this version of this day come to life at all. Like that's going to the very first day, like the first editor had made an assembly. I, I was like, oh my God, reality at her house. I mean, I've thought about this stuff so much. So then to then go really into the weeds of the edit and see, I mean, that was where I really understood how much, how incredible Sydney was. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like she had made all these incredible emotional choices and options. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in watching, you know, the final full cut of it now, obviously it's that weird thing. I've spent so much time micro, <laughs> micro working on it, but it, it's still, I still get hits of like, oh my God, there's reality's dog. And she looks over at Mickey. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, it, it's such intimate material to me because of working on the play for so long. And then, you know, refining the screenplay, it, it still is kind of very special to me that we made and get to recreate this moment in reality's life because reality winner herself is such a singular and interesting person so i it, it is it's wild to have and like you know to me it's still the car because she had that crazy white car mm. and at first like the dp was like we can't shoot against a white car and me and the production designer were like we the white is so much weirder like we looked at other color <laughs> versions <laughs> and um he like paul led us in the end and you know they exactingly put on those bumper stickers like i said but that's just yeah, again, those were the character details, so it just, it feels, it's, it, I guess it's still surreal that we, we've gotten here with it, yeah. Absolutely, I think all that stuff's so important, so to build up the character and, and uh, those little clues really help the audience understand who we're watching and maybe make us uh, make an assumption which is later challenged uh, down the line. It's such a, like a juicy piece of material in that respect. Like my relationship changed with it, you know, throughout the whole 85 minutes. You know, whose side am I on? What's going on? <laughs> um, what was it like when you got the news that you were going to have your premiere in Berlin and, and actually this is, you know, how we're going to launch the film and, you know, introduce it to audiences? <laughs> it was super, super exciting. I mean, that was like, you know, I think... I just I never had made a play that didn't know where it was going to premiere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, in my case, I'd always made a play like knowing I had a commission or a place. And so there was this the wild moment of like you put all this work into a movie and you're editing and cutting and then you, you don't actually know if and when and how it goes into the world. And that was like 
I, when I realized that, I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what if it never goes anywhere? And like, everyone's like, it'll, you know, it'll go somewhere at some time. But learning that Berlin had taken it was very, very exciting. And it felt, yeah, I think there's something to us with the political edge of it that felt sort of like interesting to do in, a, in an international setting for mm. sure because that's what's so interesting I think about reality story too is she's literally this girl it's one afternoon in Texas but like her thing had these geopolitical implications that the whole whole world wasn't necessarily paying attention to what she leaked but at that time in 2017 the whole world was following all these machinations of the U.S. and Russia and all this interference story so it was really exciting on that level to share it in Berlin and then just the thing of being in this beautiful theater and yeah it was very exciting to be in that conversation of those movies there yeah it's like a proper premiere with a red carpet and it's very glamorous and uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah. That, that must be very cool. It was a, it was really, <laughs> it was cool to have a proper premiere and yeah, the red carpet and Sydney in an amazing dress, like all that. Stuff <laughs> was, it was very fun, yeah. And now, now the film is opened in some places. It's um, streaming in some places, and it's about to open here. What, what sort of response are you getting to the film? I mean, we so far we're getting this really, really incredible response. And you know, I, to me, it always comes back to like the heartbeat of reality herself. You know, she's the one, you know, in the center of that conversation that day and that this transcript in which you see this real and very young person sort of try to and then discuss why they did an action that, you know, is a very specific and essentially idealistic action is kind of incredible and that you get to see the state at work. And, and so to have people being, you know, so responding and sort of, you know, many people saying they've never seen something quite like it. I mean, that makes me feel really proud because I think it's, it was really exceptional that we had that there was this transcript and that I had people, others collaborators who believed along with me that this could be a movie that held, mm. you know, because it I it, now I understand in so many ways how it is so different. <laughs> but um it's so it's really amazing to have people responding to it and responding to who reality is and responding to Sydney's incredible performance. I mean, I think, you know, she She's a really brave person, actually, but she does that. This is a going out on a limb a bit for her, this role. And I think, but she killed it. And I think for people to, to see and recognize that, I just, yeah, I feel really proud of what we made. So it's really, you know, so far it's about to open in these places, but it's just getting the reception and the, the nice critical response is um, really rewarding. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a breathtaking film and, and Sydney Sweeney's performance is, is, is mind blowing. We're so excited to open it at Picture House. Thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. It's really awesome to talk to you.